Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to 20 Questions on Deadline. I'm Antonia Blythe, Senior Awards Editor. My guest this week is Taron Egerton. He first found fame starring alongside Colin Firth in the film Kingsman, The Secret Service. But he is, of course, best known for his starring role as Elton John in the musical film Rocket Man, which earned him a Golden Globe and a BAFTA Award. Right now, he's playing the lead in Apple TV Plus limited series Blackbird, which is based on the incredible true story of James Keane, a convict recruited by the FBI to get a confession out of a serial killer in jail in exchange for his own freedom. Next up, Edgerton will star in the movie Tetris, which follows the legal battles during the Cold War over ownership of the Tetris game. He's also set to star alongside Jason Bateman in the film Carry On. Taryn Edgerton, welcome to 20 Questions on Deadline. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. Uh, the very last time I saw you in person was way pre-pandemic, and you were at the best movie after party I've ever been to in my life, and there's been a few. Right. And you were performing Elton John medley with Elton John uh, on the yeah. beach at Cannes, oh. and everyone lost their minds. Yeah, it was a nice <laughs> moment, wasn't it? It was so good. Yeah, so good. There was there was a sort of magic around that whole thing. I think. Yeah. It felt like a really timely celebration of his career and his music, and the movie came together in a in a way that it you know it, it was like everyone was proud of it. So it was a really magical evening. I'll remember that evening forever. Yeah, yeah me too. It was just electric. It was brilliant. Um, I have video of it on my phone, but you're like concealed by thousands of crazy screaming people on the beach. Oh, as we're singing, you mean? Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. God, um, I was nervous though. <laughs> yeah, I bet. I mean, it's, you know, it's intense, all of that. It's so intense. Um, but I also, obviously, we all saw you at the Emmys presenting. How fun was that? Yeah. With your Blackbird co-star, Paul, Paul I only watched it this morning. It, it seemed to go down quite well, actually. Yeah. I couldn't tell in the moment what, what was going on, but I think it went okay. Did, were you blinded by the lights? Blinding, blinded by the lights, <laughs> blinded by the lights. But also, yeah, I've never been to the Emmys before, and mm. um, I was aware of, you know, it's watched by millions of people, isn't it? So that didn't escape me. It was, it was, it was a good night, though. I enjoyed it. I met some cool people. I got to meet Matthew McFadden. Oh yeah. Who I've never met before, and I, I'm really in awe of him. And 
and of course a bunch of other people who were there. There were so many amazing people there. You're a succession I, fan. I am very yeah. much so. I think I think it's. Uh, the, I mean, I can't really claim to know what the best thing on television is because I haven't watched everything because you can't possibly watch Nobody everything. Can. Yeah. But I do think that show is absolutely amazing. And yeah. it was nice to give Jesse Armstrong his uh, Emmy. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I did love the bit that you guys did, you and Paul. Oh, yeah. Where he's doing that high, freaky, breathy voice. Oh, yeah, yeah, It yeah. just wigs me out, that Yeah, whole... it's disturbing, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. It's weird. Yeah, what Paul, I think... What Paul did so brilliantly, and it's in Dennis's writing for sure, but Paul really tapped into it, I think, is to make him um, that kind of eerily childlike, faux, innocent thing, you know, where you kind of almost feel for him at moments, you know, and that's mm. an uncomfortable place to put the audience because it, as it becomes a clear, as the show goes on, he's done such terrible, reprehensible mm. things. But, yeah, he's great. Um, I watched your appearance on Chelsea Handler. Oh, yeah. Where you were talking about um, shooting Blackbird in a prison in New Orleans, a real prison in New Orleans, in the summer heat. Yeah. And I just thought, my God, this experience must have been so visceral on so many levels. Like you're physically yeah. in that scenario. Yeah. Mentally, obviously, it's a really dark place to have to go. Mm. What kind of research did you do? What was the kind of background to getting into it I mean you know I knew for for a long time before we actually shot the show that I was going to be playing the part and in terms of research it's I always find it very hard to kind of you know get um describe in a nutshell what what the work you do is in preparation of a role but I certainly when the writing is that sophisticated and there's so much to mine you just think about it all the time. You constantly think about what kind of frame of mind this person is is in, and why they have ended up the way they've ended up. Why you know, it's a classic drama school thing as well about thinking about someone in terms of who are they afraid they might be and who do they hope they are. And Jimmy Keane hopes he's James Dean, mm. um, but I think he's scared that he's probably you know, some uh, two-bit hustler who hasn't done anything, you know, worthwhile with his life. You know, when you first meet him in the show, he um, he's watching old footage of himself as a really talented football star during his high school years. And uh, one of his mates says, wow, you really used to be something. Mm. And you can see that it... it, it, it it, it really lands with him and it bothers him. And that's who he's afraid he is. He's afraid he's a has-been who squandered his life. And and so it's, rather than it be like kind of research or particular like facts that you learn about someone, you, you, you try and get to grips with the things that make them who they are and how they interact with the world. And, and so much of that was in the writing, you know. There's a, one of my favorite scenes in the first episode is a scene with, with uh, Ray Liotta where he says, you know, I, I never... I always wanted normal, positive things for you. And you can see that Jimmy, my Jimmy, um, just finds that incredibly hard to process and deal with because it's not true. His father's never really said that. He's never really wanted that for him. It's kind of, he's he's just, his dad's saying it to make him feel better. Mm. So anyway, I'm going off on a tangent, but they're, yeah, but, but they're all very, um, the characters are so rich in that show 
that you you basically just sort of really spend a hell of a lot of time putting yourself in the mindset of of these wonderful characters that Dennis sp spent so much time creating. Mm. You mentioned Ray Liotta, the late mm. great Ray Liotta. Yeah. Um, it must have hit you hard when he passed away because you spent some quite intense time on the show shooting yeah. with him, right? Yeah, I mean, and that's that's not always the case, you know. It is. It's a job of work, and and sometimes you can have a very very pleasant um, uh, working relationship with someone, you know. For example, you know, for example, Stephen McIntosh, who played my dad in Rocket Man. I'm very very proud of our big scene in the movie together. It's one of my favorite scenes in the movie, but. You know, we had a great couple of days together and that was it. And that's the nature of the industry. But with with Ray and I, it was a slightly different thing. And um, we we just we just bonded on quite a profound level quite quickly. And um, he was it was he's you know, he's kind of like Ray was a he was quite a tough cookie, you know, and he didn't suffer fools. And I was nervous about working with him, but he made it very clear very quickly that he approved of me and uh, approved of my talents and felt that my you know we had a, our work ethics matched on set I think mm -hmm. you know we both turn up very 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 prepared with lots of creative thoughts and very strong feelings about doing things but yes you know I whatever I think it was in May wasn't it when um, you know one of our producers Carrie Ann Tholis called me about 25 minutes before it started popping up on my phone and, and, and said you know uh, I'm really sorry to have to tell you this I know he meant a great deal to you, but Ray's passed away, and um, and it was a it, yeah, it, it was a lot. I, mean, I was sat watching telly with my mum at that moment, and um, and it was very conf it was very <laughs> I was sort of getting quite upset, but also feeling a bit confused and silly about why I was getting so upset because he's you know he's not you know we only spent a few weeks together and. But for some reason, he just had a very profound effect on me. I, I loved working with him, and I really loved the 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 relationship we built we built together in the show. In the show, mm -hmm. the relationship with Big Jim is the engine for why Jimmy Keen becomes a you know uh, a self reflective, more three dimensional person over the course of the story. He wants to get out because he believes that he's putting tremendous amounts of stress on his dad's health. Um, so it an, it's the heart of the show for me that relationship. But yeah, I just feel very lucky that I got to work with him. It was, I believe, the last thing he ever shot. I think it's, a, you know, he was as good as he ever was in, in our show. And um, yeah, I was, it was a real privilege. Mm. Um, before we started recording, we talked a little bit about your history of playing real people. And we were talking a bit about Eddie the Eagle, <laughs> as well as, of course, Elton John. Um, and this story is based on facts. So mm. how much of that affected your performance as Jimmy? Well, I think it's important to distinguish the fact from the fiction. It's true he received uh, a, a, a very long sentence for, you know, a, a number of misdemeanors, probably the most serious of those being, you know, dealing cocaine at quite large amounts and also uh, the possession of a number of pieces of semi-automatic weaponry. Mm. Um, <laughs> So that happened. He went to uh, a sort of mid-level security prison and he was offered a, this incredible opportunity to transfer to a high security facility. Uh, and if he could get a confession in the location of a body, he'd get his life back and they'd wipe his sentence. So all that's true, all that's that. crazy story. So that, that part of the story, which is the kind of crazy bit about it, is all true. The, the, where I think Dennis 
took license and became creative with it is, I, you know, I don't think the real Jimmy Keane had the same degree of um, kind of personal internal transformation that went along with the story. You know, I think that's where Dennis was able to have some creative license. I think the real Jimmy obviously had moments of being scared, was obviously in tremendous amounts of danger, was obviously repulsed by the person he had to befriend. But I don't think it was that same thing where, you know, our Jimmy goes through a complete personal transformation because he learns a con he learns a conscience. He learns to, to kind of tr try and strive to be something better than what he is at the start. So that's the, that, the, 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 I think the more psycholo psychological element of the story, the emotional journey of it, that was where Dennis was creative. But the bare bones and the facts of the story are all are true. It is mm. an extraordinary, extraordinary story. I don't think it's ever happened since either. I was going to say, I was wondering, you know, how often does that happen? I don't think very often. It's pretty wild. Well, yeah. it is wild. It's wild to put a civilian in that situation, yeah. I think. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's a lot that goes on i get into the I'm conspiracy sure. yeah, idea of what, sure. how much do we not know yeah. but um before we get into our 20 questions i do also want to ask you about the upcoming apple movie tetris oh yeah yeah super excited about that yeah. there's no release date yet but tell us what you can about it so uh what can i tell you about it so it's another i'm, I'm playing another real person and some people do know the story around the video game rights to the phenomenon that was tetris but in 1989 or 88, when it was invented by a guy named uh, Alexei Pajitnov, the character's called, and the real, real guy's called, um, the game sort of became the property of the state as per the laws of the country at the time. And uh, a guy named Hank Rogers, who I played, who is a Dutch-born American who was raised in New York, um, and something of a maverick and a, re and a renegade, went to the country to try and procure the rights and... Uh, and make them, um, hopefully, you know, the international phenomenon that he felt it, w it could be. But at that time, you know, just before the fall of the Berlin Wall, it was, a, you know, not necessarily always the safest place to be. So that's, that's the basic bare bones premise of the story. But there are, there are, there are other interested factions. So uh, Robert Maxwell is a, is a character in the story as well. He was also on the hunt for the rights. Right, um, as in the Robert Maxwell that disappeared fell, falling off a boat. Fell off his boat, yes, yes. yes. Or so the story goes. He or may be living yeah. in Boca Raton in some sort of... Yeah, well, he, he was <laughs> never found. So, exactly. Um, but yes, the one in the same. Wow, yeah. okay. So I don't know when it's out. I think probably in the early part of next year, but that's okay. not confirmed. Yeah. yeah. And then carry on with Jason yes. Bateman. Yeah, that's and what I'm doing next. You're a TSA agent. Yes. So Jason blackmails you into something to do with sneaking a package on a plane on Christmas Day, which just based on the description gives me real die hard vibes. It's very, <laughs> very, very much in that in that mode. Is it? Oh good. Yeah, That's exciting. I love that. It's similar in the sense that it takes place over a few hours. It's kind of a fish out of water story. Um but I don't think my my I think, you know, Bruce Willis in that <laughs> role of John McClane was such a kind of ready-made action hero. I'm my guy will be a little bit more of an everyman, I think. Um, he's a, he's yeah. I mean, I really don't know what I'm able to say about it to be <laughs> honest. But you've got you've got it in a, in a nutshell. Um, and uh, Jason, who I'm yet to meet, uh, plays this terrific part. Uh, a, a guy named the Traveler who. Um, 
Uh, you're not totally sure exactly what his motives are to begin with, but they're certainly nefarious. Mm, intriguing. Mm. Okay. Well, let's get started on our 20 questions okay. if you're ready to go. Yes, yeah, sure. Okay. What is your favorite thing about your current project? Um, so what is my favorite thing about Blackbird? I mean, I've, there's a lot of things I love about it. Um, I think what it does brilliantly is it occupies a space where the, the, the central characters are not, you don't, they're not really goodies or baddies. They are human beings and they're three-dimensional. And the thing about human beings is, you know, good good people do bad things and, and bad people do good things. And, um, and I think that's like a really sort of nuanced space to occupy from a writing perspective. And I love that about it. You know, lots of people say that they get confused by Paul's performance because they have moments of liking him. And certainly my character, Jimmy, who is probably the, the more heroic role, um, he's a he's a pig, you know? <laughs> and I think that's that's reflective of real life. And I, and I love that about it. Yeah, no, that's so true. No one is just one thing. No, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Do you recall the moment you realized you wanted to be an actor? Yep. Um, so, uh, yes, I do. I absolutely know the moment that I knew I wanted to do it forever, and I was 15, and it was the first time I'd ever been on stage in an amateur production, and I had been forced to wear a dress for a production of A Midsummer Night's Dream, and uh, I was very nervous about it. I felt very self-conscious about it, and the moment I stepped out in this red cocktail tutu number thing with a wreath of flowers in my hair, the audience just fell about laughing, and um, I was just addicted immediately. At that stage as well, it was, you know, kind of about probably being a bit of a showman and being the centre of attention. You know, I was 15, you know, it was about kind of, um, I think my motives for wanting to do it were probably a little bit more um, about, yeah, about about attention, really. <laughs> Whereas now I'm, I'm much more interested in storytelling and, 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 and hopefully being a, a one element in service of a story. Um, but I do remember that being a moment where I thought, yeah, I, 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 could, I could get a lot more of this. This is good. Do you know, almost everyone I ask that question to says it was a moment where they made people laugh. Yes. And that's the kicking off for most people, yeah, which is I, interesting. I, yeah, well, I think it's like when you hear an audience laugh, you know, that's why people are so passionately in defense of... Um, theatrically released movies because you feel a sense of community. An audience has a completely different experience watching something in a live theater to watching it on an iPhone. And sure, you know, it, it, it looks better. It's a better showcase for the artistry on screen. But more importantly than that, I think, is you have a different experience when you're watching it with other people. And you feel that very tangibly when an audience is laughing, I think. Mm. You feel that sense of connection uh, with your fellow man if that doesn't sound too grand no absolutely i yeah that's a really really good point actually it is about laughter is about community isn't it, it yeah really i think is. so yeah. yeah yeah um did you have a person in your early life who inspired you in some way um I think on the basic level of just being a single parent and making sure that i never wanted for anything my my mother's very inspiring to me you know mm. she's she's um 
She's a very strong, resilient, resourceful pe- person. She's she's creative as well in her own right, and, and was especially when she was younger. But she's she does not she's n- nothing to do with what I do. She's, you know, the thought of her standing on a stage talking to people or acting or singing in front of people. I, she wouldn't be able to think of anything worse. But I definitely felt growing up. I don't, you know, I think I was like. I don't know if I was a bright kid, but I, I was definitely a kid that noticed stuff. And I knew that my mom had to do a lot that she probably didn't want to have to do to make sure that I didn't want for things, you know? I can remember being, I can remember being about 11 and her having already got a first class honors in her degree, which she studied for when I was young. Mm-hmm. And I can, you know, I can remember her working at Argos, you know, and, and she was overqualified to do that, but she did it to pay for my Christmas. And I can, you know, and so I suppose in terms of just people who've been, uh, you know, extraordinary in my, in my life and a source of inspiration, it would probably have to be my mum, yeah. No, I love that answer. Um, what posters did you have on your bedroom wall? <sighs> Growing up, what did I have? Um, so I definitely had some Pixar stuff. I definitely had Toy Story. I remember that. And I also think I had Monsters, Inc., which I was probably getting a little bit old for, but I was quite... I love that movie, though. Yeah, I was really into Pixar all the way through my childhood and into my teens, and I still watch them all now. And um, there's just something a bit... Um, I don't know. They're a cut above, aren't they? There's, there's, yeah, uh, they've got a special really magic to them, yeah. Um, mm. I don't really... I don't know that I can remember anything else specifically, but definitely those two, yeah. I mean, those are good choices for sure. Um, what about the first movie you ever saw in the theater? Uh, Bambi. Really? Yeah, they were obviously, you know, probably must have been fifty years after it was made. Yeah. But uh, and I know this because I, my, <laughs> I, I actually we already had it on VHS, so it was a movie that I'd seen, and when it got to drip, drip, drop little April showers, I walk down the aisle singing towards the screen and tried to make myself the center of attention then as well. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Okay, now I'm getting why you ended up playing Elton because yes. that is just, you were a musical waiting to happen. Exactly, exactly, <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's brilliant. Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Um, what was a TV or film character you wanted to be? Wow, I don't know. I don't know about wanted to be, but I definitely, I was, another thing that I was very passionate about when I was a kid growing up was I really loved like British sitcoms. Mm. So I was big into like Only Fools and Horses. Oh God, I can quote that probably yeah. in its entirety. Yeah. I am the same, <laughs> like Blackadder, oh, yeah. a little bit later The Office, you know, Vicar Dibley, those things. So those were the things that I really watched like repeatedly, like, you know, those two, those two, um, six episode series of Faulty Towers I just watched oh, yeah. on repeat over and over and Never over and over old. and over again mm. um, so yeah I don't know if I wanted to be any of them but I definitely remember those being a big feature of my childhood in terms of things I kept returning to yeah 
uh, weirdest job you've ever had? Um, weirdest. I worked at Peacocks for a while. Do you know Peacocks? What's that? Peacocks is like a slightly... How do you describe Peacocks, lad? <laughs> it's like a sort of... It's kind of like a... It's like a... Um, like I'd, I suppose like a budget clothing store, but it seems to attract like an older female clientele, I Wait, think. Wait, I think I've seen this. Is there one on Oxford Street in London? Or there definitely it's would like, have been at some point. It's fairly low rent. Do you know it's the same company <laughs> as Bon Marche? Do you know Bon Marche? Mm, it's like I, I mean, haven't I lived in England too... in so long. Yeah, mm. it's like I don't think it would. I don't think anyone would say it's known for its quality, but you know, if you're an old dear looking for a bargain, you're in heaven. <laughs> so I mean, that was that was probably you know I did that for six months when I was about eighteen, and I can't you know involved a little bit of helping old ladies try <laughs> shoes on and stuff, which didn't always oh, I bet relish. They loved you. Yeah, well, I'm eight, I was quite cute at 18, I think. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I did that. I also worked in my auntie's coffee shop a lot in my teens. Um, was this in Wales? Yeah, this is all yeah. in Aberystwyth, yeah. Yeah, yeah. because when you just said lad just then, you sounded Liverpudlian, not Welsh. So, yeah. But you lived in Liverpool too? No, no. I, never, I never lived there. Sometimes people from Liverpool very sweetly like to try and claim me. but I, I oh. And it's very <laughs> nice of them, but I know I'm not even really... I was born on the Wirral, so that, oh. that that's quite an important distinction. I think if you it claim, is. if you Pardon claim, me for, uh, no, yeah. no, no. If if you claim to be a Liverpudlian and you were born on the Wirral, it's a different thing. I don't uh. think you don't qualify. My parents are both from Liverpool proper, mm-hmm. but I was so young when I lived there. I've got, I, I just don't feel. I don't feel like I'm of of there. You're Welsh. I do. You, f- yeah. I feel Welsh, but I do sometimes sound a little bit scouse. Yeah. I love it. It's really... I, I love Welsh accent as well. So did you have a Welsh accent when you were growing up? It, 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 sometimes it, can, it depends on who I'm talking to. I can develop a little bit more of one. Yeah. Um, That's your actor in you, though. So possibly. You, and the you... other thing is as well, and I, I feel myself doing it, mm-hmm. I, I, without always meaning to, I sound probably posher here. <laughs> Than I do back home. Oh, I know. Because, I do that because because people <laughs> people are constantly telling me to repeat myself. Yeah. So if I probably yeah. sounded so subtly like, I can sometimes sound a little bit more like this, which has probably got more of a Welsh lilt to it. This would be how I would sound naturally if I was at home. But amazingly, that very slight accent it can model an American ear. I've noticed. Absolutely. So I tend to go for the Hugh Grant thing a little bit just to try I've, and be I've, a bit clearer. I've developed the same thing because if you go into a restaurant here and just say, I'll have a water, it, it is weirdly confusing. Yeah, so well, not, not always. Just with I've just noticed it a little bit with some, with like some, some people. Some words Yeah. Because well. yeah. sometimes people, I'll go back to the UK and someone will say, oh, you know, I saw you on, for example, you know, whatever, uh, Jimmy Kimmel or something. Mm-hmm. They'll say, why do you sound so posh? <laughs> Are they like, accusing well, you of like accusing me of like, being changeable and inauthentic? Yeah. I think, <laughs> but um, it's always been a little bit fluid because I was raised in Wales to Scouse parents, so it's always been a little. Yeah, uh, moving. No, of course. Yeah. yeah. Um, what is the last time you cried? Um, I mean, I'm quite a crier. Mm. Uh, the last time I cried, probably. Uh, we did. We did. I did. I did a SAG Q and A the other night where I nearly went. Actually. Really? <laughs> yeah, I got mm. asked about rain. It caught me off guard, oh. and and that. But I I held it together. In fact, Dennis Lahane, who wrote the yeah. show Blackbird, 
very, very graciously just dived straight in and, and saved he me. He rescued yeah, me in yeah. a very classy, understated way, yeah. Oh, I like that. Um, you're packing your nuclear bunker. What are you taking to watch, assuming you can stream? Okay. That still um, I think it would have to be so it would have to immediately the Sopranos springs oh, to God, mind. Oh yeah. mm-hmm. um, Because not only is it so amazing, there's also quite a lot of it, which is great. Am I allowed to take one thing? Or? You can take more than one. Uh, I'd take Breaking Bad as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, and while it's I, it, there's something about those central characters, these really morally ambiguous men that I find really appealing and yeah. um, and in a sort of in a way I guess that's maybe what slightly appealed to me about Jimmy you know he's not quite to the extent that those guys are but he's he's a, he's difficult to love and I I find that appealing in a character you know mm. um, I think archetypal heroes can be a little bit one note a little bit one note mm. a bit boring so those things, I think, spring to mind as being things that I would be able to return to again and again. Yeah, yeah, yeah something with uh, more nuance, mm-hmm. for sure. Um, dream, dinner, companion, living or dead? Um, I mean, um, I, like, I, I always think David Bowie. I always mm. thought, I don't know. I, but then again, he's this sort of ethereal figure to me that is almost kind of... Um, not real, not human, you know, he's greater than, and so um, maybe it wouldn't have been good to sit with him, I, d- I don't know, but he, whenever I get asked that question, he's always the person who springs to mind. I've been really, really lucky. I've got a few big musical heroes, and in my in my, career, my short career so far, I've, I've managed to meet a few of them, um, but never him, obviously, because he passed away about six years ago. And, yeah. Uh, but, you know, it would have been interesting to talk to him. Mm. Yeah, he's endlessly fascinating, mm. that man. Toughest scene you've ever had to play? Um, honestly, like the stuff where it, it, it feels like it, y- you know, I, like when a scene's emotionally difficult, it, I think the perception of it can be that that's like a really hard thing to have to go through. And sometimes it sometimes it is, but a lot of the time it can feel like a release as well. And I always, I'm a big believer that um, it doesn't matter how uh, unpleasant a scene may be, you, you st- as an actor, you still have to be playing. It still has to be play. And if you start to stiffen up and get tense about the fact that it's negative, and then, it, then it, that's when acting you know, like when you see someone really trying to cry mm, and mm-hmm. really trying to squeeze out those tears. And of course, no one's ever really wants to cry. You know, it's like when people don't want to cry, that's when that's when it becomes more emotionally affecting, I think. The stuff that I find hard, honestly, is like, I don't like being covered in mud and that. <laughs> like having to get messy and do you know what I mean? Or be yeah. like in the sea at three in the morning yeah, or no something. Thanks. No. They're the things that I don't like. But mm. I suppose if it was something where it's difficult subject material sub- subject matter and difficult material. Um de- definitely in episode five of Blackbird where Paul co- is confessing, that was 
neither of us enjoyed that. It was a horrible. It was, you know, oh, yeah. you, you know, and because it's, really it's a real story, because it's true, it happened. So you're very aware of, you're aware that although you're making a TV show, this is somebody's short life, you know, and and that stuff's pretty grim. You go yeah. home at the end of the day and you can feel a little bit worn out with it. Mm. You know, the stuff you just said about really powerful acting being when someone's trying not to show the emotion rather than, look, I'm acting this emotion. <laughs> Kieran Culkin said the exact same thing. Well, and I think that's it's so true. Yeah, and he's amazing. Again, you know, best show on television. Um, mm. Well, yeah, you love the show, don't you? I do, yeah. I do. And actually, he and I, um, I've hung out with him once. We hung out after the Globes uh, in 2020 and... I got on really well with him. He was he's a, he's, he's, a, he's hilarious. A cool, he's hilarious and he's a cool guy. He's yeah. a nice guy. He's very he's got proper human even though he plays such a piece of work in that <laughs> show. He's got real uh, like warmth and humanity. He's Yeah, great, no, yeah. I so enjoyed having mm. him on the podcast. He was great. Um what about a time that a character really got in your head and wouldn't get out? Um I mean, I I know. I I just don't. I don't. What I find hard sometimes is like, like, so the breath of something. If you are, if you're very, if you if you become very panicked or very upset or very angry, actually, is one that I find difficult to shake off. And but I don't find it hard to like remember what my name is because you know it's like, uh, you know, I don't get you're that not method. No. No. And if I'm honest, I don't believe actors who say that they do either. I just don't think it's a thing. I mean, you can't... Do you think, do you think that's a big affectation when people talk about that? Um, oh, I don't want to trap maybe, you in, in maybe something. Not, but... Maybe not. I just think to, what you really can't remember who you are. I mean, it, like, really? I don't... I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Look, you know, far be it from me to judge. What I do know is that, for example, your body doesn't know when you're acting. So, you know... If you like, uh, there's a, like uh, referring back to Blackbird. There's a scene where I really violently beat someone up, and mm. it didn't feel nice. It felt the way I would say is it felt like when you're a kid and you uh, maybe it's not. I don't know. I think it's definitely a thing with with boys. But you know when you end up getting a scrap in school and the feeling after that is not. It's not a nice feeling. You feel kind of shaken and like the adrenaline's still coursing through your veins and. That that's about as near as I get to that thing where I can't shake something off. You know, it's mm. it's funny putting your body through emotional response. Yeah, it's when it's not personal to your life. It's quite an interesting experiment. Yeah, and I don't think you obviously you can rationalize it, but your your body doesn't know when you're lying, mm. and I believe that when. I, I'm just not really sure when people say they can't rationalise it. I think it's something, but that's You're just like, mm. my personal thing. Yeah. Um, so, what about the advice you'd give to your younger self? To stop thinking that everyone's looking at you all the time. That's a good one. I think, like yeah. you, you know, that was a real thing for me. Uh, mm. You know, to just always to feel scrutinised, self-conscious. Like my weight's always gone up and down, so I've always been self-conscious about my body in that regard as well. And I think if I could go back and tell my 19-year-old self something, it's like they should teach self-love in school. You know, it's oh, becoming yeah. very, like, popular now, this idea of self-love, but mm. they sh that should be that's so much more important than algebra, as far as I'm concerned. Oh, God, I wish they'd teach us self-love, also how to do our taxes, and the entire political system would be helpful. Yeah, quite right, right. yeah. 
<laughs> oh, and how not to overspend. Yes. Yeah, anyway, moving on. Um, what's the time that you were starstruck? Uh, that still happens quite a lot. Uh, I met Stevie Wonder in 2016. That's pretty cool. That was a big one. Paul yeah. McCartney as well. Oh, wow, yeah. I, I, met Paul <laughs> I met Paul McCartney and told him that I'd watch, I'd gone to see him perform about 10 years earlier with uh, one of my best friends and... And just because, in our teenage years, we'd bonded over the Beatles because we both, you know, both music fans and had gone through all the albums, and and we said, and I, we said to him, you know, uh, yeah, we cried, we cried that night, you know, watching you, and and it's only after we'd said it that I realised, you know, like he just looked at me like, well, you know, we never really set out to make anybody cry, and it's like, <laughs> that was good. and I was like, I felt really bad because I thought, God, he must hear that. 25 times a day and you are making this about you and it's like do you know what I mean it must what be hard what else can you say it's so, like will you, do, will you know, you know it's, it must be it's a complicated thing isn't it because mm. for somebody like him he's touched everyone in such a profound way but he can't possibly absorb all that back it's not fair to do it to him right. so I kind of regretted saying it to him really I wish I could have just gone alright Paul but, all right. um, but there we are <laughs> we're only human yeah I mean you do what you can um, what is your proudest working achievement so far? Uh, well, I'm very proud that I've like, uh, um, very proud that I work in film and television at all. It's you know it's it's not uh, it's a it's a it's a great privilege. And as much as I hope I'm there for a reason, I I don't think that's enough. I think there's a lot of luck involved, and I think. I had, I've had, I've had my fair share of moments of being in the right place at the right time, and I'm very grateful to the cosmos for that. In terms of like actual things, the the two things I've made that I'm most proud of are, are Rocket Man and Blackbird for mm. sure, and it just they just happen to have been my last two things. But I, I really, I'm fiercely proud of both of those projects. Yeah. Yeah. What job would you be doing if this hadn't worked out? I had no idea. I mean, <laughs> I can't do anything else. <laughs> I can't do anything else. I'm really lucky. I haven't had to supplement my work since since drama school. I've managed to pay for. That's really unusual. It's really unusual. Mm. I've been really lucky. I mean, the first year was not all was like you know it was wasn't easy, but um, but yeah, I've been really, 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 really fortunate. But I think you know, I, I the only other thing that I really thought about in school was English teaching, and that's just because I love to read, and I had a great English teacher at school. Um, and I thought, you know, that, that might be something I was good at. But the things that I probably would have been drawn to in it were just things that I was drawn to in acting. Mm. But, um, yeah, that was the only other thing that was ever an option, really. Yeah. Okay, this is a good one for you, since you've played someone in their biopic. But who would play you in the biopic of your life? There is absolutely <laughs> no way... <laughs> That there would ever be a biopic made of my that life. That is also what Kieran Culkin said. He laughed and went, "That would be the most boring." It would be movie. so <laughs> boring. Why? I mean, why? No, would... it wouldn't. I mean, it... <laughs> well, I just can't imagine what bit you'd put in it. <laughs> what bit? I mean, um, some of the amazing stories you've got. You've it would be mainly of... me looking in a fridge trying to figure out what kind of snack I want. I mean, oh, yeah, I mean, that I, sounds like my life. Yeah. yeah, I mean, what would you make a story <laughs> out of? Uh, I tell you what I would love to do. I yeah. would really love, at some point, I'd love to make a film 
in West Wales, where I'm mm. from. It's very beautiful, um, and I'd love to maybe one day try and film something there. Not necessarily for me to be in. I, you know, I would one day maybe like to try and you know do a bit of directing and make make something of my own. But yeah. Um, but there's uh, there's no way I'm going to say who should play me in a movie of my life because <laughs> no one no one wants that gig. <laughs> okay, well that leads me to my last question, which is, what's your all time dream role that is at the pinnacle that you'd like to get? Um, I don't know. I mean, I really don't know. There's things that I know I'd like to do. Um, you know, there's like a couple of musical roles I'd like to do. Uh, but in terms of like, what you mean, something that already exists, a film role that already exists? It doesn't have to exist. It could be just a part that you have read in a book or something that you've imagined even. Yeah. Oh God, I don't know. No Hamlet? Mm, may I'm just throwing that out there because it's the classic, but, you know, whatever is your dream. Yeah, I really don't know. I feel like I'm, I'm quite reactive. So I'd, I know I'd like to do m more, like, I don't know. I, I definitely think I'd like to do something that sort of, do you know when Jake Gyllenhaal did that movie Nightcrawler? Yeah, of course. Um... I'd love to do something like that. Yeah. I really would. I think... What well, he I, went through, though, to play that. Oof. Yeah, he played... It's, mm. it's really... like I, I really love that movie, and um, I'd like to do something of that ilk. I, you know, I'd like to maybe play with... It's, it's a case of grass is always greener, isn't it? The guys who play the villains want to be the want to be the hero, and the guys who play the hero want to play the great character roles. And I definitely feel that when I'm playing things that are a little bit removed, a little bit removed from, or a lot removed from who I am, um, that they're the things where I feel creatively most excited. And I felt that way on Rocket Man, and, and I, you know, and I felt that way on, on Blackbird as well. Like, mm. you know, when I got that Elton John role, I, I felt like a lot of people weren't sure that I was the right person to do it, or that it didn't make any sense. But I felt I was the right person to do it, and I knew I could do it. And with Blackbird, I felt that I just couldn't believe they were asking me to do it because it should have been, I don't know, Miles Teller or some other, you know, some great American kind of matinee idol type guy. So for me to play that very East Coast, Chicago and tough kid, you know, I, I was I was fun for me too. Well, I have to say I loved the show and Thanks. watched it and I think two sittings just binged. It was so good. Yeah, it's, it's I mean it's dark, but it's yeah. I think it's, you know, what the way Dennis has put the whole thing together is brilliant. I'm, I'm so really compelling. Proud of it. Yeah. yeah. So congratulations on that. Thank you. Can't wait to see Tetris and Carry On. Thank you. And to hear more about that when we know more. Yeah. So yeah. Thanks. Um thank you again Taryn Edgerton for being on 20 questions on deadline. Thank you for your time. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Thank you again, Taryn Edgerton, for being on 20 Questions on Deadline. Don't forget to check out the podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and read our awards line magazine in print and at deadline.com.